Welcome to the Gate Crashers Podcast, where we storm the gates of publishing and dare to talk about the realities of the industry. I'm your Ivory Tower representative, Amanda Liedeke, literary agent and vice president at McGregor and Liedeke. And I'm your self-publishing insider, Therese Crow, novelist and speaker. We received a letter from a listener recently that I'm going to be reading on air, Carice. Excellent. We will respond. And there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that are like concerning about this particular person's situation. Sure. Um, but then of course, at the end, they ask some questions that we can address. Um, so let's, yeah. But that's, that's totally the reason why we started this podcast is because we've both been in the industry for so long mm-hmm. and we've seen the same kind of mistakes just popping up over and over again, yeah. sometimes with a new paint job on it, but it's still essentially the same issue at heart. So yes. let's dig in. All right, here we go. Dear gate crashers. About four years ago, the best manuscript I've ever written landed me what, according to everything I was able to find online, appeared to be a top-tier agent. You see where this is going. Despite this agent contributing nothing more than simply forwarding my original query letter and manuscript to editors, the book nearly sold to a big five publisher. I've actually seen the email in which the editor said he loved the idea and my writing, but quote, couldn't get a consensus from the team, quote. The book never sold and the agent eventually dropped me. I've been doing what was advised to me by other authors, continue writing other books and keep this one on the shelf, but I still believe the book that was repped is my best work thus far. I never signed anything with this agent so they own no negotiation rights to the work, their questionable practices have since been well-publicized and they were eventually kicked out of the AAR. I've also had editors tell me they never open emails from this agent, so it's possible that many houses never actually saw my book. My understanding is that most agents are reluctant to look at anything that was previously represented and submitted. However, it's been four years. Is it worth me trying again to submit this book to agents? Or do I need to just keep doing what I've been doing, leaving it on the shelf and writing other stuff? P.S. I hate clicking that box in Query Manager that asks if I've been repped before. It seems like a strike against me right off the bat, but I get no chance to explain myself. Thanks. Love the podcast. I mean, that was a ton to unpack. Yeah. It's the thing that really grabbed me was the almost casual mention of never signing yeah. any paperwork, any contract, mm-hmm. any, mm-hmm. and I mean, for our listener who wrote in and has these, this is, these are your concerns. I'd say, I don't personally think you're lying at all. If you don't check that box, because like you said, you didn't actually have a contract with them, the agent, right? <laughs> right. Right. They were only going to sign you if something kind of happened. So right. it's not really technically right. representation. 
Right. And I think if yeah. anybody were to question that, you could say, yeah, and this, this agent's now known for their shady practices. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had manuscripts that are great and would have interested houses, but because of this agent's practices, we never got a fair shake at it. So no, we never signed a contract. We never had anything in writing. Yeah. I've never that, been represented. That's personally, I mean, if I've that, been dealing with this yeah. for four years, that's exactly the approach that I would take to that and say, nope, clean slate. Yeah. That was just dry erase marker, not permanent marker. Yeah. That's, um, that's something that stuck out to me too. As an, okay. So I can speak as an agent. There are times, yes. When we do stuff based on a handshake deal. All right. When that happens, almost always it's because we aren't fully confident in the project or the author, or maybe the project or the author, maybe, maybe the author doesn't seem fully confident in us. Mm -hmm. So we kind of do this handshake thing and like, we're going to give it our best shot. And if it doesn't land, we part ways, no paperwork, like we're just done. Right. But that yeah. kind of thing is all very, and I've, I've seen of that and heard it. Um, but it's always kind of a short term thing. Yes. In my experience, it's usually, it's <laughs> yes. usually like, you know, you as a writer, you have a, a, a finished manuscript and it's a specific genre, let's yeah. say. And that agent says, you know what? I heard so-and-so at this house was looking for something like this, but they only know one editor yeah. who's looking for something like this. And it's maybe not typically what they represent, but Hey, if they just heard it last night, now they're hearing it from you. Mm -hmm. Sure. There's right. a handshake and a verbal, I'll try to connect the dots, but that's not a commitment. Yeah. That agent can't come back in a couple of years and say, what the heck, man, how dare yeah. you sell this book two years later out from under me? You know, like that's not, if it's yeah. not binding. I think also what stood out is the line about how this agent didn't do anything except forward the original query letter and manuscript to the list of editors. Right. Like talk right. about an agent who is not invested in this project and is just like, if it lands, I'm going to cash the check. Like. Sounds like people who just, you know, throw stuff at the wall and yeah, see what sticks, you know, yeah. that's, that's really the approach is what it sounds like, because if they're doing that with this listener, I mean, you're never the first, you know, right. You're never the first one. They decide to, well, this is a strategy I'm going to take from now on to get right. tons and tons of deals. No, right. There's other people too. Yeah. As, this is a top tier agent right. mentioned. So it's not like it's someone who's kind of, you know, doesn't know what they're doing or, you know, right. Like. Exactly. <laughs> right. Mm. For also this person to go on to, and to say that they've had editors tell them that they never even opened the emails from this agent. And you and I have talked about the importance of having a good agent that has a good reputation. And this mm -hmm. is just proof of that. Like this mm -hmm. agent's emails were not getting read. Right. I just think the most appropriate time for revealing, you know, this history with a top tier agent is not in the initial query to that agent. I mm -hmm. think I, I, I think they're correct in saying like, it kind of feels like a strike against me and really saying that you've had previous reputation can go either way. It may have had nothing to do with you or your writing, or it may have, it just kind of depends on that 
mm-hmm. new agents um, perception. No. So to me, the appropriate time to bring that up is after the queries have made, after the agent has reached out and said, Hey, I'm interested in this. Let's talk. There you go. The first time you guys have an actual conversation, that's where this kind of history should be. Just so you know, this happened. There is a possibility it's been sent before, but I've also Mm -hmm. received information that these emails were never even opened. Mm -hmm. And odds are, if that agent is also familiar with who this agent is, or at least familiar with what's going on, because agents gossip sometimes, um, then they might be a lot more understanding rather than, well, my previous agent dropped me because I missed the last four deadlines or something like that. You know, big difference. I think from an agent's perspective, I certainly wouldn't want to put a lot of time into this only to find out that it's already been shopped around four years mm-hmm. ago. So you're, you're writing that there's a balance there that needs to take place. Right. Sometimes I, it's appealing to know that someone was represented because mm-hmm. that is kind of like affirmation. Cause mm-hmm. if I like this writing, well, another agent at one point liked it too. So I'm not completely off on what I'm, you know, like, so there's that weird, right. That weird affirmation. So I don't know if there, I don't think that it's as icky as it may seem to have been represented previously. Um, but where it does get dicey is you want to make it clear what has changed from then until now? What mm. have you, has your platform grown? Has your writing improved? Do you have a bigger network? Are you connected with more authors in your genre? What has changed so that if I shop this book or a different book from you, what's more ammunition that I have to take to that to, to show publishers, hey, this guy's working hard this gals, she's really making strides in these areas. Um, so that's what I would like to see if someone like this came to me and I'd be open to shopping, to reshopping a project. But again, if I could have some of those dangling carrots to be mm-hmm. like, Hey, this project is now like this, like, here's the reason it's being taken around again. Right. It's, it is though tough though, and sad and unfortunate that the author felt like this was their best work. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of, you write and you finish a book, but it's not good enough to take an agent. It's not good enough to take to an agent. And so you do it again and again. Okay. Now this is, this was the one I was working to be good enough for this one. Mm-hmm. And then. Yeah. Somebody sharky gets a hold of it instead. Yeah. So we've kind of unpacked this and, and we've made it clear that there's not like a cookie cutter, like one size fits all for, for every situation like this. It really depends on the project and the author Mm -hmm. and what the relationship was with the agent and all of that. Um, but I made a list of some things that, um, will make you unpublishable or unrepresentable and also a list of things that I think authors assume make them unpublishable, but really they're not that big of a deal. Mm 
Uh, so the, so there are a couple of things that I find that kind of make me like push someone away and say, Nope, never not going to happen. And that is when they come with an attitude, <laughs> we still friends. <laughs> oh, that's right. You don't have to, you don't have to tolerate me as a client. That's why. <laughs> Yeah. When they're always like fighting, you know, fighting your advice as if like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, right. I don't have time for that. So that kind of feeds into mm-hmm. the next one, a lack of teachability. I don't have time for someone who, mm. you know, acts like I've never done this before and that I'm just guessing. Right. <laughs> so so um, to those people, you basically say mess around and find out, <laughs> but I'm not helping you. Right. Like, why am I even here? Um, and then last, and this is like the most, I think the most difficult to stomach, what can make someone unpublishable is a bad sales record that can be the biggest mark Mm -hmm. on anyone's record. So there you go. But things that I think I've heard from a lot of authors though, that what they think makes them unpublishable is the fact that they're self-published. They think that well, if I self-published a book, no one's going to want to work. No, that's not true. Like Mm-mm. almost There's ways everyone that you can. There are ways and things you need to avoid mm-hmm. when self-publishing a book. If you want to eventually get to having a traditional contract and we've covered those previously, yeah. um, but boil it down quality of work. Yeah. Have a great platform. Yeah. Great cover. Like care. And then don't, <laughs> Don't price your 90,000 word novel at $1.99. If you want to eventually end up in bookstores, you've got to at least be comparable Mm -hmm. or close to comparison with what those books are going to cost in stores. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So there's that. And I think all authors will clearly from this letter, they sometimes think that if they were agented before, um, then they may not be desirable. And that's not necessarily true. And neither is it always wrong to want to shop the same project around, although that does get more difficult and can be less appealing. Mm -hmm. I think what we really want to hear though is, so to answer this author's question, yes, you want to shop this project again, but then what? That's like how you answer the what's Mm -hmm. next question will really determine I think whether the agent is going to be interested in continuing the conversation. I would also advise our listener, um, have an outline for book two, book three, you know, show that it's not just this one book that has great promise that it could be a series. I think that can go a long way with publishing houses and agents as well. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Gate Crashers podcast. If you found value in this episode or in any of the episodes we've done, you can drop a tip in our tip jar. Simply use our link, paypal.me slash gatecrashers, or log into PayPal and search us using our username, which is at gatecrashers. And be sure to be here next week for a brand new episode.